Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. All right, let's mix it up. All right. Well, All right. <laughs> here we are again. <laughs> okay. So today it's a cold and miserable late April day here yep, in it Ohio. Is. Oh, well. Let's try to fight through it. Yeah. We're trying to uh, <laughs> find summer somewhere. Although yeah, we got spoiled. We've, so well, we're, we've we're had good. a couple of really nice weeks in the 80s. and Yeah. Which not, is not that really we should unusual. be there yet, but yeah, you get really used to it. Your blood thins out really quick. It does. It does. And then you go outside on a day like today and you feel like you're going to die. It's so cold. But it's barely freezing outside. So the average temperature this time of year is sixty, like 65 degrees. Oh, well, we're way below we that. We are so far below yeah. that. <laughs> but that feels like average to be, you know, it's <laughs> how do we get to an average temperature of 65 in April in Ohio? Well, it's a lot of days at 35 <laughs> and a lot of days at <laughs> And a few 90. at 90. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get to an average. We never actually get that it's 65 math. degree day. <laughs> Almost Only never once. get that. Actually, the news that I watch, like the weather, they'll sometimes put the calendar up and they have like red for below or yeah below green for above mm-hmm. and i forget the color for on like right on average it doesn't exist it doesn't exist <laughs> it's never ever yeah, that they're like we don't know because we've never had to use yeah, that color exactly so obviously i don't remember so. <laughs> <laughs> so jason we're drinking something called a monte carlo today Ooh, nice we like, should have talked like about the, like, like monte mid- carlo like no. simulations and no 25,000 no. ways to tie your shoes. Well, it does go <laughs> along with this conversation. It does. It uh, does. We're going to talk about diversification. Ooh. Um, yeah. Sounds exciting. Yeah. Hang in there with us. Hang folks. in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the uh, next 30 minutes will be riveting. <laughs> I don't know. Monte Carlo seemed like it went along with it that does. because usually, you know, financial planners and their fancy snazzy software running Monte Carlo simulations right, are right. showing you're not diversified enough. Did you just say simulations? Simulations? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. If I did, please edit that out. <laughs> All right. Simulations. So this is interesting uh, because I think Monte Carlo and I think of the 100,000 scenarios that they run. Yeah. So this has like 100,000 ingredients. Well, every every person I talk to about Monte Carlo, they instantly they think go of the to, car. The, no, they go to gambling. Oh. Almost every time. I really, uh, I remember you must have back like in the some, day. some like memory about the monte carlo yeah, car. yeah. I, I there was a uh, was it dale earnhardt jr <laughs> no you did uh, grow up in did, northwest they, ohio actually they did race oh, monte yeah. carlo oh, uh, for a while definitely didn't they? yeah no i can remember in you know summer baseball you one of baseball my, here we go again one of my neighbors his older brother was in high school and he had this freaking sweet like 85 monte carlo nice. it was black with the red stripes Ooh, it was yeah. it was a slick car and uh, sometimes he'd pick me up for baseball practice and i just felt super cool did it have Monte t-tops Carlo. yes it did yes yeah why don't we cool have car. t-tops anymore uh because, because they leaked they, they were leaked. a hole in yeah. the roof <laughs> <laughs> really bad actually yeah so turns out holes in your roof they bad idea cool. they also faded out your interior quicker, oh that's right and yeah. like you know you'd get the cracks in your dash yeah and all you'd that sit on the stuff. seat and you'd fall through yeah yeah so. and everything in the 80s was like velvet velvet or vinyl one yeah. of the two yeah like the plushy <laughs> velvets like driving a love seat down the road <laughs> Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the drink, the Monte Carlo, not the car, Ooh. not the place where you gamble. Uh, looks like a pretty. Uh, uh, it looks. I don't want to say elegant. It looks, it looks not, boozy. It is. Yeah. It looks like a very distinguished drink. Okay, I can get behind. You that. wouldn't be embarrassed if someone walked into the local social no. club and you no. were 
you know, sipping on one of these yeah. things. Not I like wonder, some of the crazy colors that we've had on oh, the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, you know, like you have Benedictine here. Like, yeah. I wonder if like most places even have that on the shelf. I'm going to say um, probably not. Friday night, I went uh, to a local up and coming. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say names or anything. Uh, they talked about their bartender being mm-hmm. really, really proficient. And I asked for a drink with Benedictine. And they said, oh, we don't have that. So I'm going to say most places don't have it. (laughs) But actually, I was just saying before we hit the record button, why don't I have Benedictine at home? Yeah, I've got it at the office, but it's it's one that we've grown really fond of. So let's let's get into the ingredients. This is it does not have a hundred thousand different ingredients like the Monte Carlo simulation. So the only ingredient you may not have at home is the Benedictine. Yeah, probably. But almost every liquor store has it. Yeah, exactly. So, and and a little goes a long way. Little goes a long way. So. I mean, we it's a good pre-gaming. purchase for like $30. I don't think it's that bad for as many times as we've used it. No, I mean, we still have more half a about bottle. a half a bottle left here. So, Well, anyway, this, this here Monte Carlo drink is comprised of two ounces of rye whiskey. We used Old Overholt because that's the only thing we had in the cabinet. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> a half an ounce of Benedictine. And okay. then one dash of Angostura bitters. And Jason, yes, I did stick to the one dash. Good. Normally, I see one and I go two. Uh, but basically, in a mixing glass or a shaker... You know, fill it up with ice, throw those ingredients in and stir it. I would say don't shake this drink. And actually, that brings me to uh, a point that I had about your shaken old fashioned. Did you know that shaking a whiskey drink actually introduces air into the alcohol faster, hmm. meaning it oxidizes quicker, which actually makes it less potent? Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Probably not by much, but it does a little <laughs> bit. So anyway, Science. stir that baby up, strain it into a rocks glass over some fresh ice. Look at that. No garnishes, no lemon peels, yeah, no I, cherries. I, I'm nothing. good with that. This says just straight that Benedictine literally says a memorable experience of your senses. I would agree. I agree. Okay. Ready? Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Smells good. Ooh, smells like honey, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah, nothing wrong with That's that. That's awesome. Dang. You know, it's it's kind of um Whew, that's like Manhattan y kind of I was gonna say it kind of reminds me of a rye old fashioned. Yeah, I would say that. And using the Benedictine instead Ooh. of simple syrup. It's not as sugary. I just got the rye. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's there. It's a little spicy actually. Ooh, that's one, cool. This is a uh I mean it's I kind of made fun of around. us for drinking old yeah. overholt. No. Uh it's a classic. Yep. You know, they're higher proof stuff actually. I think they had one that was like one eighteen or something like there that. There is nothing wrong with that. That was really that. good. <laughs> it's, it's good for mixing. Yeah, there's a couple drops on that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's good for mixing. Now we have zero rye. Well, guess we'll right. have to do something about that. <laughs> All right. So I like that. Nice. I think, yeah, if you like old fashions, this is probably right up your alley. If you like rye spiciness, this wow, is... Wow, that's really good. It, it is. The Benedictine just, it, I think in place of the simple syrup, it's it's something a little bit more interesting. You got a lot more flavors rolling around on the palate with that Benedictine. Yeah, you so said this, honey. This doesn't have the There's like cloviness. Kind of like tickle your throat. Kind, It's real subtle uh, on the finish. Mm-hmm. So you're not like burning through your nose or anything like that. No, I, I would. I'm just thinking in my head like a rare breed rye. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And something like this oh, yeah. would be a Wonder flavor why, bomb. Why don't we have any rare breed? 
Because I drank it all. <laughs> it didn't last long around here. I have like three bottles of rye at home. I should just bring them in. I don't drink it a lot. You know what? We do have another rye up there that I forgot about, but it would not go well in a mixed drink. And that's that angel and angels. Oh, in yeah. The, uh, yeah. But that's got a finished rye. Yeah. It's got like a maple something. I don't know. Maybe it would play well with a Benedictine. But anyway, mm. enough about that. Yeah. Dude, make one Let's of these. Let's get on to the finance oh topic. Gosh, this is good. Go minutes. buy a bottle of Benedictine yeah, exactly. for crying out loud. And Cheers you should always you. have rye at home. Yeah, Woo. that's a great drink. So, Jason, today the title of our episode is Can You Be Too Diversified? Yes. Okay. Thanks for having a drink with us this week. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Let's talk about drinking some more. <laughs> um, you know, we did an episode way back. I, I believe it was a Manhattan Project. Yep. Diversification is not rocket science. Ooh. We did talk a little bit about what diversification is and what it isn't. And I think it would be good to kind of bring that up and set the stage with that a little bit and then get into... Once we've set the stage and we know what diversification is, then get into, you know, is it possible to be too diversified or what are the dangers of being too diversified? Yeah, and actually so, that's funny that you use the word dangers of mm-hmm. being too diverse. That is actually like an Investopedia article. Gosh like, darn it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in the American literary classic, <laughs> whatever your blog is called, what was it called? Uh, diversification what it is and what it is what it isn't yes a famous blogger once blogged about this topic so what is diversification caleb well since you're an expert merriam webster defines (laughs) no i'm just kidding you Um, actually started it that way michael scott no according to investopedia.com diversification is a risk management strategy that mixes a wide variety of investments within a portfolio we get having lots of stuff to limit the risk in a portfolio, sure. right? So not just owning Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, right? All those. Good job. I know. It would be introducing other asset classes into the mix so that so, when crypto fails, you're not... I said when. <laughs> <laughs> Sectors, industries, countries. Companies. Companies. I mean, these are yep. a lot of factors go into this. And... It's funny, the word factors, factor investing is actually a thing, okay? Like, there's a lot of science behind that. And I don't know, I have this book sitting here. Explain, Bill Nye. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all those things we just mentioned actually can be mathematically measured using some calculus to actually Mm. come up with a factor that says this portfolio is x amount of risk uh-huh it's actually probably n in the formula but it's it's really fascinating to see how an algorithm essentially is trying to make sense of all the different factors mm-hmm. so in a fancy asset allocation world diversification may actually be referred to as factor investing okay it or not. i've never heard it put yeah. that way yeah. but now that everyone's sleeping Yes. <laughs> I'm going to just go drink now. <laughs> so diversification, we've kind of established what that is basically on a fundamental level. Let's talk quickly about what it is not, Jason. And I'm going to use... This is really important. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use a couple of examples. The first one I'll use, and maybe this is a lesson on not being diversified enough. But let's say that you've been working for your company for 20 plus years you believe in the product, they've taken care of you and your family, great. They provided a nice 401k match, which you've taken advantage of. They have Mm -hmm. a great employee stock purchase plan. You've taken advantage of that. They've got a pension, which not a lot of companies have anymore, right? Right. So let's say that's the case, and you find yourself a few years from retirement, and your 401k is full of that company stock that you bought 
on a discount with the employee stock purchase plan. You've got a pension there. Your life insurance, your disability insurance, all those things are included in your company benefits. You really believe in the company, right? So what happens when five years before retirement, a company goes belly up? Everything that you have is invested in that company, right. that one company. All of your your net worth the is the story of up. Enron. Yeah, exactly. Worldcom. You can think. I mean, there were General Motors instances Adelphia. of uh, exactly. You name it, right? There are people who were caught up in those companies, believing strongly in what they did, had all of their eggs in that basket, literally. Yep. You know, pensions gone. The jobs gone. Jobs gone. Stocks gone. Bonds are gone. Maybe you had bonds, right? Yeah, because a lot of times they were offering those at discounts. I mean, that was really popular in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, we live in a General Motors town, huge powertrain plant here for years and years and years. And unfortunately, folks really did get taken taken advantage of, in my opinion, oh, yeah. um, when they lost their, their General Motors bonds. It's one of the like sad little secrets of the, you know, the bailout uh, mm-hmm. that happened of General Motors. Uh, they talked about, you know, the big guys getting, you know, not getting paid out. Unfortunately... You know, many former employees had had significant wealth sure. in in bonds and stock. So um, the the point of all that, while you have a pension, mm-hmm. while you have a four hundred one k, while you have an employee stock purchase plan, you have all of these different elements, but you're not diversified. You're all you're riding all in one company. That would not be diversification, right? So just owning different things mm-hmm. does not necessarily make diversification. If we're talking about what diversification isn't. Right. What else isn't it, though? You and I, coming from the bank bank channel, I think that we... This was an annoyance, <laughs> I would say. You know, people would be like, I'm going to open an account at five different banks. Yeah. I'm going to diversify. I heard people say it. Right. Exactly. So, well, I'm diversified. I have I have a checking account here, 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 and here. I'm like, well, you, all your money is wrapped up in FDIC. It's still cash. It's all cash. It's right. all insured by the same company. Right. Or the same corp... Well... Corporate entity. Yes. <laughs> entity. So and most are folks they... don't understand the rules there. Right. You know, that diversification of cash across multiple banks is still the same asset class. So the opposite of the previous example was having one asset class, mm-hmm. different institutions. Right. Also not diversification. Nope. Not at all. And I think people get confused when they're like, well, I have a checking account and a CD at all those banks. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. also diversification. Yeah. Again, any fixed rate certificate, it's a deposit, yeah. is still in that asset class of cash. Okay? Right. Yes, you'll always see it. You can reach out and touch it. You can withdraw it. You can do all of those things, but it's still just cash. What about this one? Uh-oh. I would never put all of my money at one financial firm or one or with one advisor. I want to be diversified. So, Did I just say diverse? I've done that twice you, now. You have. I, I, I never talk so like I, that. Diversified. <laughs> But they'll say, well, I've got three financial advisors. I want to be diversified. Yeah. The only thing you're probably doing there is diversifying opinions. Mm. And that's not necessarily... Maybe not even doing that. Probably <laughs> probably not. I mean, if you've gone to you know some qualified folks. But yeah, that's actually the opposite. What's probably going to happen is you're going to have similar portfolios across multiple advisors. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a significant amount of correlation. Yeah. Just oh, ask Don't go overlap. too far into the danger part. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, yep. Yep. The, the <laughs> you know, again, you're talking about literally not doing it on purpose, but putting multiple eggs in one basket. Yeah. But you probably unintentionally didn't diversify in that case. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, you know, like, Financial complaint complainers, <laughs> financial complainers. That's a new title. Financial planners, advisors. 
really complaining because I really, really believe that you can't, I can't do a good job for a client yeah. when I'm trying to guess what the other guy's going to do. It's really well, difficult. Yeah, and I have some of those relationships. It's not it's even hard. just that because I've, I've always said in the past, look, if that's what you're going to do, then at least, at least let me see what's going on. The problem with that is I can't control what's going on in the other portfolio. And the other advisor who's trying to do the same thing that I'm trying to do, which is, well, I'm going to move in this direction because I see overlap over here. Right. But how can you really coordinate that if you're not in control? And I, I realize that what this sounds like is financial advisors complaining that, yes, you should have all your assets in one place. You should still be diversified. Yes, which is not multiple people. Multiple exactly. Places. Now, you actually just said something that was very interesting. Was it the overlap part? Um, okay, good. No, I don't think it was actually. You know, the other advisor is trying to guess. Yeah, that is just exactly what it is. I mean, it is. It's a guess. Yeah, and I don't like working under those conditions. By the way, it's very difficult. <laughs> and the good good advisor on the other side is probably feeling the same thing. So yeah, I mean that that's a good point. That unless they're pitching. Well, I know you have money outside, but maybe you want to be diversified. So it's okay to have another advisor. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> They're probably commission guys. Those, not, yeah, that's, that's a only. sales. Well, that's a sales tactic. Yeah, yeah. Right? They they only need a piece of it, so they can get a commission and then move on. So so okay, we, moving, we have, moving. That's this another down topic the road. we're going to cover later. <laughs> definitely is. Uh, in a few episodes, we'll have something for that. But moving moving this down the road a little bit, uh, we've talked about what diversification is, what it isn't. That's kind of a review. Now, Jason, knowing what we know about diversification, do you think it's possible to be too diversified? Yeah, this is actually probably one of my pet peeves when I dig into other professional money managers' portfolios. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about really the investment portfolio, right? So many times they over-diversify so much that they lose like their strategy somewhere along the way. So yeah. like, what do you actually believe? Having 10,000 positions um, dilutes things so much, okay? And I'm, I'm going to get a little nerdy here because I think it is important. And I'm going to go back to our like early days in the world of finance, back to my college days probably in this, in this one is when you're diversifying, you're trying to eliminate unsystematic risk, mm -hmm. okay? Systematic risk is market risk. Mm -hmm. It's inherent to the market. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a recession across the whole economy, systematic risk. Okay, COVID happens, systematic risk. Unsystematic risk is really by the company, by the investment, by the, the bond, sector. the sector. Yeah. And so you're trying to mathematically eliminate that. Now, it can't be perfectly done. Okay, at least if it if you have that formula, please send it my way. It's okay. in my desk. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I know it would be really helpful if so, I got on that. But. Yeah, so this unsystematic risk, again, math starts to get diluted as well. When yeah. you add a bunch of positions in, you're really not accomplishing anything. And, and what you're, I guess the way that I would paraphrase what you're saying I'm is, sorry. no, I, I think it's fine. <laughs> the way that I would paraphrase it is you are so diversified to the point where you actually have no conviction. Right, exactly. And you are so, what you were talking about there with systemic risk and non-systemic risk, you're, you're kind of going down the road Did of I say correlation. Systematic? It's the same thing. Okay. Systematic. I mean. I never say it that way. What is wrong with us? Trying to impress our audience, I guess. It's not working. You made me nervous. <laughs> it's not working. But you they know, know what we mean. You're, you're going down the path uh, that is, uh, you know, the correlation 
conversation, right. which exactly. is you to diversify risk. And, and as in that Investopedia uh, definition, you want assets that are non-correlated, meaning mm-hmm. if one event happens, not all of your assets react the same way. Exactly. Yeah. You want to have some things that zig while the others are zagging. Right. And, you know, you think traditionally stocks and bonds move opposite of each other. Well, not until <laughs> not lately. And, and actually, nine. it's really interesting when you think about it, that stocks and bonds have been the correlation. So basically, market event happens. Instead of one holding up all the other cells off, they both go down together. Right. Or they both go back up together. You know, so are you are you really diversified? Maybe not. You yeah. need, need to have some other non-correlated assets like maybe real estate. You know, and I'm just going to throw it like precious metals, different things out there that right. react differently. Absolutely. But what I found in a lot of portfolios, and I would say institutional portfolios, I'm I'm not picking on anybody here, but you know the the bank money managers and mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. they have their canned portfolios that the strategists up in the ivory tower are coming up with, not the advisor that you're sitting across from. That probably check all the boxes on you know modern portfolio theory. I mean, like they're probably yes. checking all the boxes. Maybe going too far. Maybe. And, and I think that that's the danger right, right there on their end. What they want to be is so diversified and so non-correlated. It gets to the point where there is no conviction in the portfolio, and when something goes up, there's something else dragging it down just as much, and you can't, and what what I call it, you can't get out of your own way. Yeah, so what's happening now, especially since the correlation between stocks and bonds have been so tight, mm-hmm. what we're talking about here, guys, is like when stocks go down, bonds have been going down yeah. as well. They used to be inversely proportionate. Stocks go down, the bonds go sense. up. Yep. Right and before we got into this business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what's happening though is when you have a year where the market is very positive, mm-hmm. and one that pops in my mind like right away is 2013. Okay. Yeah. I'm going back 10 years, literally. It seemed like those institutional money managers were diversified, no doubt. Sure. Overly diversified. Well, and from a compliance standpoint, right, they can check the box and say, we were we were very diversified. Nobody's right. coming at us with a big lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. And so what ended up happening, though, is in a year where the market was very strong, that diversification actually caused them some grief. I mean, mm-hmm. like we're talking lagging you know, the overall market by 10, 15%, yeah. depending on the manager. Now... You know, when the markets got bad, so this is the other side of it. In the past, that diversification and things like fixed income protected you. You had a soft landing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what's happening in those years is they're tracking to the market. Yeah. So you're so actually it's, getting, it's getting, can't get out of its own way on the way up and also not cushioning the down so, at all. So, and again, nerdy sense, up, da- up, down capture ratios uh-huh. is a thing that we look at. Uh, many times it's compared to the S&P 500. And you're getting less of the up and the same down. Yeah. That and I think, paying for it. And paying for it. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is a result of of this symptom, which is it's too diverse, doesn't really stand for anything. And it's kind of like pounding the table, like, what do you believe in? Yeah. You know, what do you think? Do you think value is going to do better? Well, and I would say to that point too, you think over the years, there are some years where the markets have done really well and maybe advisors in general didn't do a great job or vice versa, whatever. But I, I would say that my perception from my time in this business is that what people won't forgive you for is not having an opinion. Right, exactly. It doesn't always have to be the right one. Right. But to have an opinion, I, I think, 
if the market's up 20% and you're down, I think you're going to have some real trouble, right? Yeah, and, but, I, and I think you've heard it and I've heard it too, where it's advisors will say and managers, money managers that we read, I mean, we definitely read other folks, will say, you know, most clients are not, let's say the market's up 20%, mm-hmm. you're up 12. Most clients are happy. Yeah. Market's down by 10, they're down by seven. Client is unhappy. Yeah. Okay. I'd put it it's, this way. It's Nobody, frustrating because, you know, when the market, you had so much more to gain yeah. on the upside, but they were probably satisfied with the return. Uh, no one's ever happy with negative. <laughs> I mean, I haven't found anybody. Yet, I, I, I do think that there's a, an element of um, no. Well, a few people do, but most people don't <laughs> expect us to get all of the upside in the market all of the time. However, if we're down just as much as the market, they've got a problem with that typically. Right. Right. Exactly. They, they don't. They, I mean, from that perspective, what they're saying is, look, I understand I pay you to limit risk and all these things. When the market's up, we don't always have to be all the way up with the market. However, when things go down, I better not be all the way down either because I am paying you to mitigate risk after all. Yeah, I have. There's a line here. Michael Kitsis. Mm-hmm. OK, financial planner, guru, nerd. Uh, nerd. I mean, his blog is nerd's, <laughs> I eye, that. nerd's eye view, you know, like it is lovingly yeah yeah title it's uh he has this quote it says being diversified well he wrote it being diversified in an array of good investments that all have the opportunity for favorable returns is one thing owning every investment under the sun regardless of its investment merits still fills your portfolio with a bunch of mediocre investments Mm -hmm. that will likely deliver mediocre returns sometimes the best path is not to just own a diversified portfolio. It is to avoid owning bad investments. Mm-hmm. Don't sacrifice your future at the altar of blind diversification. I think that's great. And that kind of gets at the point of this. I have seen instances where someone brings me a portfolio, whether it's from another advisor or whether it's you know something that they've done themselves. And I, honestly, I remember years ago running one client's portfolio between his IRAs, his non-qualified money, running all of it through Morningstar, mm-hmm. and it spits out 25,000 different positions. Oh, my gosh. What is the point? And he said diversification. Are you diversified? You're beyond diversified. Right. And right. it kind of goes into we the... We should come up with the word that is like too much diversification. Over-diversified? <laughs> I don't know. That's two words. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's one. It's just uh, a long one. It is. Well, maybe a hyphen in there. <laughs> but but I, I think that that's like what Kitsis was saying there. You don't own a little bit of everything, so you cover all your bases. Right. I mean, that's a that's a really good way to, like, like you said, moderate returns or water down returns. Yep. We talked about not being able to get out of your own way, and that's it. And I'm, I'm thinking of an example... A lot of people are holding international stocks yep. just because, well, you Emerging need to. markets. Yeah. Well, you need to. Yep. Well, I don't know. Do you? I could be totally wrong, and we want to keep these episodes as evergreen as possible. But it hasn't made sense for a lot of years to have a right. big international equity position. And so someone like us would be like, it's hard to guess mm-hmm. which year international is going to do well. Yeah. I'm okay. not going to keep pushing chips on that side of the table right. until it happens. Right. We drive that like a kid that's trying to learn how to drive a stick shift is how international seems to go. You're moving forward and then you're then you're stalled. You're stalled. Yeah, and so and we have experienced that year after year after year in our career, and we have an opinion. Sure, and people pay us for those opinions, and that's right. And so, whether you think you're getting a good deal or not, that's for debate. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you think you are. So, 
Anyways. So getting out of your own way is one of the dangers. Overlapping exposure, like we we talked about, just owning more stuff for the sake of uh, owning more stuff. If you are over diversifying, wow, we are over diversifying. See, maybe that's a word we shouldn't use. You know, by using other advisors and whatnot. I, I'm trying to use air quotes in that uh, right, case. Right. But if you're just listening, you don't see those. You're overlapping expenses, probably not getting as good of a deal. Uh, so, yeah, there are dangers of being, quote unquote, over diversified. I'm going to answer my own question and say, no, it's probably not possible to be over diversified. But mm. there's a certain point where you're actually not anymore uh, diversified. You're not gaining any. You're not actually. Yeah. Just by holding more stuff doesn't mean that you're more diversified. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of just the misconception of that word. I don't know. But yeah, I guess I maybe I ruined the whole thing to start with. No, I I plan to blow it up there at the end. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you set me up. <laughs> oh, I gotta have fun. I have a drink in me now. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks for having a drink with us this week, folks. It is time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Empty glasses. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.